Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty and I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 103. We're going to talk training camp hype. we got to talk about the hype that's been building and what things we think we can believe about specific players that have been talked up a little bit this week through the various blurbs from coaches and beat writers. So last week was pretty cool because teams finally practiced in pads and held scrimmages. And so beat reporters and coaches talked about their performance of many players and now dynasty managers. We have to decide whether to believe the hype or not. So here I'm going to talk about 10 players who were hyped up this week, and I happen to believe the hype. First player is J.K. Dobbins. Last week, reporters said that Dobbins had been standing out in practice, and he had every practice he seemed to be make another highlight reel submission, was quoted. Uh, he's been involved in the passing game already, and reportedly has already earned a role behind Mark Ingram and ahead of Gus Edwards in week one. So these reports are not surprising to me. Uh, Dobbins is already the best running back on the team. That's why he's my number two ranked rookie this whole offseason. Mark Ingram does have far more experience and is one of the team's best leaders. And so I think that his role will not entirely go away. Like what I think will happen to Marlon Mack with Jonathan Taylor, I think his role is just going to go away quickly. I don't think that's going to happen here between Ingram and Dobbins. I believe Dobbins will split time with Ingram, more like about a 50-50 split overall this year. Both running backs will be startable on dynasty rosters this year just because the Ravens' offense is so productive as well. So Baltimore's already split Ingram's carries last year. Ingram actually averaged 34 snaps per game in the 15 games he played, while Gus Edwards averaged 25 snaps per game. And, of course, Edwards was the second uh, second in the league in yards per carry, strangely, if you didn't know that. And if that's the truth, we know this. Dobbins is far better running back than than Edwards, and he's going to get more carries. He's going to do more with them. He's the one Baltimore running back, although I guess you could argue this is somewhat true about Hill, but he's the one running back of these three that can outrun defenses and break long touchdowns. So count on a split role with Ingram this year and Dobbins becoming the lead running back in Baltimore next year. Second player that was hyped up this week was Tyler Eifert. Eifert's reported to have a, quote, strong connection with Gardner Minshew during training camp and has looked good and healthy in practice. Josh Oliver, Eifert's main competition at tight end, broke his foot and is going to be missed for the rest of the season. So Eifert has secured the starting tight end position in Jacksonville. So here's why I believe it, and this is what's tricky about Eifert, because when he believes, he does stand out, especially in the red zone. The problem with Eifert, though, is he's often injured. That's why I think knowing this, Cincinnati only gave him 32 snaps per game last season and gave C.J. Uzama 41 snaps per game, trying to keep Eifert healthy, which he actually was. He played every game last year. But here's the deal. Jacksonville can't afford to, afford to limit Eifert's snaps this year after Josh uh, Oliver was injured. James O'Shaughnessy is the only tight end with any experience on the depth chart right now, and he's 28 years old and coming off his own injury himself. Jacksonville added a significant weapon in the draft when they picked the Visca Chenault. And I think that their wide receiver courts of Chenault and Chark and Westbrook and Conley really should create a lot of room for Eifert to get open over the middle and down the seams. 
if he can stay healthy, he will get targeted often. So I'm believing the hype there. Third guy I'll mention is Alan Lazard. Uh, the Lazard hype, of course, started at the NFL draft when Green Bay didn't draft a single wide receiver in uh, the very loaded 2020 rookie class. And the hype continued when Devin Funches, the only free agent that they signed, opted out for the season due to COVID. So reports of the Packers camp uh, now say that Lazard has already locked up the wide receiver two position. And then in their scrimmage this week, he hauled in a 33-yard catch and a 77-yard touchdown catch. So all that means, yes, this is pretty true. Lazard is the number two wide receiver. Really, by midseason last year, Lazard overtook Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Jake Kumaro to become the wide receiver two in Green Bay. There's no reason to believe he won't start this season ahead of them again since he finished ahead of them at the end of last year. And of course, like I already said, no one else was added uh, this offseason to challenge him. Uh, though he does have the role short up, um, I think it's very limited on his upside, though. All signs really point to Green Bay changing their offense to be more run than pass. And when they do pass, the targets are going to be very sharply focused on Devontae Adams. And so I do believe the hype. He's won the number two job. I'm not sure that's going to make that big of a dent on our dynasty rosters. Next player been getting some hype. Fourth player is Zach Moss. Uh, it was thought that Moss was drafted to take the kind of the Frank Gore role. That's what they've been all saying from what Frank Gore did last year. Uh, taking a role really in short yardage and red zone situations. However, training camps now have training camp reports have shown that Moss has been very active in the passing game as well. One beat reporter Joe Biscaglia he says that Moss's role is very quote undersold. And then on the other hand, the news coming out for Devin Singletary, his primary competition is that he's not playing very well and he's been struggling with fumbles. So you take both of those storylines and you start to see that the Moss's value is rising. And this is the hype that I'm actually believing. This offseason, I had Moss as my 20th ranked rookie, which meant I never drafted him because he was getting drafted earlier in the second round. Uh, but this training camp news has caused me to reconsider my ranking. And uh, as I head into my final rookie draft over Labor Day weekend, I'm going to move him up a little bit. The hype has been pretty consistent throughout training camp. Moss is going to have to share a more significant role than just being a, a short yardage back. Uh, Buffalo has shown that they're willing to play a rookie immediately. The rookie Devin Singletary last year, he got 70% of snaps in week one last year. And then he was injured in week two before coming back in week six. So a guy that gets injured. Buffalo does plan on using both backs. I really do believe that. But unlike what I was thinking a month ago, I think Moss will become the lead back by midseason. And it will be Singletary that's playing behind him. Next player I'm bringing some hype up on is uh, Todd Gurley. Early reports from camp were not positive for Gurley. He was reported to be walking with a limp and was very limited in his practices. Um, then this week, the offensive coordinator, Dirk Cutter, says that they plan to give Gurley 15 to 25 touches per game. 15, he said, would be a bare minimum. That quote was enough to spike Gurley's value up just a little bit again, at least got people talking about him. And really, it's not going to change my opinion, you know, based solely on what an offensive coordinator says, but it does give me a little confirmation of what I already presumed the role would be. Here's why. Atlanta signed Gurley to a one-year contract, which means they have every reason to give him the ball 15 to 25 times per game to either burn him out or to see that he's worth signing beyond this year. Atlanta's always one of the highest-scoring offenses, too, and so Gurley will have every opportunity to do what he did best last year and has done best better than any running back the last several years, and that's score touchdowns. He can score 14 touchdowns just like he did last year in L.A. I'm convinced of that. Next guy we'll talk about, a little small story here, but we'll talk about Mike Davis. 
Davis has reportedly locked up the backup role behind Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. Coach Rule complimented the running back, saying this, uh, that he liked the way that he ran and he liked his pass-catching ability, his ability to get open. And then the Panthers also released one of their running backs this week, uh, Jordan Scarlett, from their team. So most dynasty managers, including myself, were holding on to Reggie Bonifon as the handcuff for McCaffrey, since they appeared to be he appeared to be the backup last year and did have actually a few long runs at the end of the games and looked good in the very few touches he had. However, this news seems pretty clear um, that Mike Davis is going to be McCaffrey's primary backup. backup. Now this doesn't really hold uh, much value. He doesn't hold really any value unless uh, McCaffrey gets hurt. McCaffrey's a monster and he plays almost every single down, so they don't even use anyone to spell him very often. Um, but in deep dynasty rosters, I think he's worth holding on to, especially for the McCaffrey owner. I did pick him up off of waiver waivers in several leagues this week on hearing this news. Next, we have Benny Snell. Benny Snell uh, value dropped significantly this offseason after Pittsburgh drafted Anthony McFarland. However, it's been reported that Snell has actually locked up the backup role behind James Conner already in training camp. He's lost 12 pounds, so you got that narrative going with you as well. He lost 12 pounds this offseason and has reportedly uh, just taken a very professional approach to his second year. Uh, last year, in his rookie year, Snell was a third string running back behind Conner and Samuels. He did have two decent games with 91 yards and 98 yards rushing when Conner was injured but he just didn't look like he had enough to become the primary backup behind Connor this year. And then when Pittsburgh drafted Anthony McFarland in the fourth round, just like Snell was drafted in the fourth round the year before, Snell appeared to have even more competition for this year. But if the uh, beat reporters are right, if they're accurate about this, Snell's value could rise quite a bit. Pittsburgh has a history of second-string running backs making a big impact when the first string gets hurt. You know, remember the days of D'Angelo Williams and James Conner, what they did behind uh, Le'Veon Bell, and then Jalen Samuel had some starter-worthy-ish games when Conner was injured, especially in PPR leagues. Um, so I've actually taken this news, and I've changed my rankings. I've made the adjustments this week, and I've moved Snell ahead of Samuels and McFarlane in my running back rankings. Um, I believe it. I think Benny Snell is going to be the primary backup, and if Connor gets hurt, which he often does, Snell will get the lead role, which is valuable in Pittsburgh. Next player I talk about, Auden Tate. Uh, Tate's making the most of his practice time, while A.J. Green with a hamstring and T. Higgins with a hamstring and John Ross due to COVID missed practice time. Uh, one beat reporter said that Tate is, quote, the offensive MVP, and then Coach Taylor said that he's been, quote, impressed by Tate's play. I believe this hype from a talent perspective, but I don't buy it from a real opportunity uh, perspective. I've always loved the talent of Auden Tate. Before the, the 2018 Combine and 20 NFL Draft, I had Tate among my top three rookie wide receivers in that class based just on his college film. But when he performed poorly at the Combine and then wasn't drafted until the seventh round by Cincinnati, I had to drop him significantly in my rookie rankings. And the news of him standing out in camp doesn't surprise me at all. But I do believe that Green and Ross and Higgins, who all have far greater draft capital, I believe that they will pay, play ahead of Tate this season, unless they do remain injured. Um, I did pick up Tate in one league this week just to see how long these injuries for uh, linger for Green and Higgins. Two more players to talk about. Believe in the hype. I've said this a lot this offseason, but J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Arcega Whiteside, <laughs> he started his own hype at the start of training camp when he promised that there would be a, quote, night and day difference in his play this year. 
Uh, last week I wrote about podcast about how Jalen Rager has been uh, the most buzzed about player at camp there for Philadelphia, and I do believe that. But this week it was Ortega Whiteside who was getting the buzz after catching three touchdowns in the Eagles' scrimmage this week. It's a very crowded wide receiver room in Philadelphia, but I believe that Ortega Whiteside can emerge as a starter and especially as a red zone specialist. His three touchdown catches in the scrimmage were no surprise to me. Wide receivers make the biggest jump in play from year one to two, and so I believe that J.J. can make this jump this year. He plays a different position and a different style than all the other wide receivers that Philadelphia drafted, and so he only needs to hold off Alshon Jeffrey to earn a starting position, which I believe he will be able to do. Finally, a little positive news uh, based on another injury to uh, on Johnson. So Johnson's dynasty value took a massive hit when Detroit drafted DeAndre Swift in the second round of the NFL draft. The coaches said that they planned to see how both plan to use both backs equally. But when camp started, Johnson was the one wearing a knee brace and appeared uh, to be injured, uh, not playing as much. However, the tables have turned, and now Swift is the one that's injured, and he's missed the last nine days of practice. Uh, coaches reiterated this week that they need to bring Swift along, quote, more slowly than they had been. So I've been reluctant to move Kerryon Johnson too far down my dynasty rankings after Swift was drafted because I just believe in his talent. I currently have Johnson ranked number 33 in my rookie running in my dynasty running back rankings, and Swift is ranked 20. So they're not too far apart from each other. I do believe that Johnson can provide value for dynasty teams. He's just too good to be quickly overtaken by Swift. If Swift struggles with injuries, as Johnson does, either one of them could actually be extremely valuable while, while the other one is injured. While Johnson should be seen, I think, really as the future backup to Swift, he is among the most talented backups in the league. At this point, the odds are that Johnson will actually be the starter to begin the year, and if he can stay healthy, he could hold off Swift early into the season so Detroit can, quote, you know, bring him along slowly as the coaches intended. Johnson could really help dynasty teams get off to a hot start before the season, uh, before Swift eats into the, his workload. So I still love uh, on Johnson's value. Well, there you go. There's uh, 10 players, some hype that developed if you hadn't heard those news, or this is at least my opinion on what I think. Would love to interact with you. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I am much better on email than Twitter, so would love some interaction via email. As always, I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me and help some others find this independent podcast. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. You know what to do. Until next time, go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.